BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 502. 502. 502. 502. Starting 502. 502. The Starting 502 Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville. What are we missing about this team? I think we're going to be better than what people expect. I just, I'll leave it at that. You know, I, proving people wrong is something that I feel like uh, I'm used to doing, and uh, I believe that this team can do that for sure. So, I, I, of course, I'd like to be in the top 25, but it's fuel to the fire. So, all right, welcome back for another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. As always, my name is Presley Meyer. I'm your host with the most, and we have Nick Connor in. For another session, we got him to come back. Um, we're excited. Um, Nick and I are going to keep rolling along, but we're excited because we're going to have a few uh, special guests, hopefully, along the way. Um, and leading into the season, I think that we've given ourselves the perfect amount of time um, to kind of have some more storylines, some more stuff to talk about. Uh, we don't want this to be like a um, you know three-hour daily radio show conversation. We want to cover some of the bigger topics uh, in, in order to do so in the off season, sometimes you have to give it a, a month or so. So going forward uh, on the starting 502 podcast, we're hoping you see a difference in the amount of time that takes place. That's that there is uh, in between podcast. And, and hopefully if you don't know, and you're listening, and this might be your first time listening. Um, we will be having post game pod podcast episodes uh, after every game. So um, October 29th is our first episode or our first preseason games so um if you stick around we're gonna have a little preseason trial run um and hopefully we'll have some awesome stuff coming for you guys in the future nick connor how are we sir dude i'm doing fantastic after that presser today man i am 
Ooh, it's basketball season in Louisville. Football season is a distant memory. It's still going on. It's it's back there. It's like a daze. But to be honest with you, my attention was never fully on the football program. Sorry, Scott. But I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be a week and a half out from basketball against another team that allegedly somewhat counts. Yeah. I'm just excited. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they say the most wonderful time of the year is coming up with Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all that comes with it. But I really think that this is the best time because – you have like right smack dab in the middle of the, in the middle of football season. Uh, and then you have college basketball starting up and the NBA starts tonight. If you're listening to this, it might be, um, you know, a little bit into the NBA season, but NBA season starts tonight, which is exciting. So it's officially basketball season. So we'll have football, we'll have basketball. Um, I don't think there's any better time of year than when the two major sports intersect. And then obviously uh, March madness and masters time. I think those are the two best times as a, as a somebody who uh, outside of work and family life sports is the biggest thing. I think those are the two best times of year. So we're heading right into that. Um, before we jump into the press conference stuff, I think you and I have a lot to take away from, from the press conference. Uh, we're, we're recording on, on Tuesday, the 19th. So um, it, 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 we are just kind of, you know, reacting to uh, the long 37 minute press conference at, at Louisville media day uh, with Chris Mack and the media a lot to take away from that. Before we even get into that, uh, neither you nor I were at the scrimmage, so we're not going to get too deep into it and act like we know everything that we're talking about because there's only so much you can take away from. Uh, number one, you know, we we've heard from from friends and we've heard from uh, fellow prognosticators and, and such what what happened, what went down to the scrimmage, and then we have heard, um, you know, kind of secondhand and seen um via you know very edited and uh you know fluffed up highlight videos um what happened at the red white scrimmage any major takeaways from the first scrimmage from what you've seen and heard so far um I think just listening to the presser I don't think coach Mack took too much from it as far as like putting too much weight into it so I think like you said that's good to have perspective he sees his guys every single day and so while that was in the yum and that was a bigger not as big audience as I'd like to have been there, quite frankly, but there was people there. It, it's still different. But tempo, I mean, anybody that was there, anybody that was on Twitter, anybody that wrote about it, tempo, tempo, tempo. The tempo is a real difference. Um, we'll probably get into it, but Ken Palm is officially out, which means the season's out. Louisville's projected tempo is at 272nd. That will not happen, folks. I don't even think we're going to be high up in the double digits as far as tempo is concerned, but... Everybody who was there said tempo was the major thing that's different. Ross McMaines is the real deal as far as getting into the offense. It, it's much different, much more pressing the ball down the floor. People being impressed with our guards. We got to keep in mind we got eight new guys. I think every time I try to think through this roster and think through playing time and rotations and starting fives, I have to like go through the roster one more time because there's just so many new faces and new names. Guard play seemed to be a, a, a big topic of concern. Um, some oohs and ahs over L. Ellis. Some, um, obviously, people being excited about shooting. Seeing some dudes who can pull up and shoot. Um, but again, not things that are new to us. Not things that are surprising to us. Um, I think the big thing that I took away from the scrimmage is that Mac sounds positive in general. And I think that's kind of the theme here is we kind of talked about this pre-episode, Presley, but he seems to be in a good mood and you know that might be trying to come off of some of this ncaa stuff or trying to come off of um getting it getting ready for a suspension or whatever that might be but 
he seems to be a different guy. And so that that's got me excited right off the bat. Yeah, I think Chris Mack has already gone into like midseason mode. And what I mean by that is it's kind of an unprecedented situation. You don't see very often where a coach is coming into the season with a six game suspension. Um, so I think that Chris Mack is trying to coach the team like the season has already started in a sense um, and, and just kind of uh, pouring everything into the team that he can because he's going to have essentially three to four weeks where, uh, like he said in today's presser, he's going to try just not to get depressed. Like he always going to be able to do is just like watch tape, uh, make game plans, uh, decide what he's going to do um, on, on, you know, a, as a coach after the first six games, uh, take notes and, and just be really nervous while he's watching the games. He can't have contact with, with the coaches, the players, anybody at the university. So he's going to be very much just uh, just sitting on his hands, waiting until he can get get back and get his hands on this team that he's worked for three years to build. Um, so I think that's, that's a huge takeaway is that he's just trying to uh, essentially – uh, work on this team like they've already started the season uh, so I, I do think that these two you know we were talking we were just kind of chatting it up a little bit before we started the podcast uh you know typically uh, you you won't take much away from the from the scrimmages but he is going to be able to coach these two exhibition games uh, so it will be interesting to see uh, how hands-on he is and, and how much you know uh, Chris Mack tries to impact these two exhibition games and uh and kind of what the takeaways are from that. So that'll be something to look forward to. As far as the tempo, uh, I think that's something that everybody's talking about right now. And I, I think that, uh, you know, you pointed out that Ken Palm has, has Louisville in the bottom 10% of the country uh, in projected tempo. Um, if there was a way to wager on that, I would wager my mortgage and my car payment and, and everything that I pay for in my entire life on the fact that Louisville is going to be better than what Ken Palm projects uh, just based on what we've seen uh, on the court what people who have been in practice. Our buddy Matt McGavick has been in a few practices. Uh, Jeff Greer has been in a few practices. Everybody has said it is completely different. You listen to the players. You listen to Malik Williams, Jared West, L. Ellis. Everybody's saying, you know, the, 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 the main uh, thing for Louisville this year is that they are pushing the tempo. They are encouraging players to uh, spread the floor, shoot the ball. Um, you know, they want Jared West to be creating – um, some takeaways on defense, which is something that we would not have dreamt of. I mean, that's a Darius Perry's wet dream, right? Is, is, is you know, he would still be on the team if he knew Ross McMaines was going to be here, right? Uh, so I, I think that's a, that's a huge takeaway is that, um, you know, I, I think that we brought in Ross McMaines and as, as a Louisville fan, you're kind of just like waiting to see, um, you know, is a head coach that makes, you know, three, four million dollars a year really going to let somebody else come in and dictate how the offense is ran. I think a lot of us were skeptical about that, but based on what people are seeing in practice, based on what the players and coaches are saying, and based on what we've seen from, from a red-white scrimmage, I, I think the answer is a resounding uh, yes. Um, as far as getting into the press conference, uh, because I think that's something that you and me uh, both want to hit on quite a bit. Um, it, it, if the, if you could kind of you know basically encapsulate um, you know one overlying uh, kind of theme of 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 this of this opening press conference, what would it be uh, coming from Chris Mack? I think you're just going to see a different team, and I think that's what he was saying. Um, I think going back to what you were saying, he mentioned how normally in exhibition games they don't do a full scout. 
So they don't do a player scout fully. They don't do a, here's the stuff they run offensively. Here's the defense. Here's their tendencies. Who are we matching up with? They usually only do that once or twice, but not for all exhibition games. But he mentioned with him being out for the first six regular season games, he wants to do that. He wants Ross to make sure that he understands their process. He understands, I mean, he said minute by minute, warmups, those kind of things. What I took away was self-scouting. We're going to get some incre- an incredible amount of self-scouting. And I think that's what Ross McMaines brought in in the first place. He kept referencing his international experience. And what I think Chris was trying to say is he's used to coaching older guys, professional athletes who have been tinkered with and have been specifically taught minute things and have been a part of multiple systems. And what I think he was trying to hint at when Ross came in, I didn't hire Ross to necessarily be an assistant coach. I hired Ross to come in here and change my offense. And he also said, I've always wanted to play fast. And he referenced a specific Xavier team that the dudes I had could not play fast. We had a dude who could back somebody up to the basket and score 30 a night. Then we're not running tempo. So I think what I hear Chris saying is I'm still the right coach. I'm still a good coach, but I brought a guy like Ross McMaines in to make us a better program. And personally, I think Ross is going to be a guy that's going to be hard to hold on to if this, if this actually blooms into what I think it will. Um, but what I hear Chris saying as well is we're not where we could be, but man, does he seem like he's talking as if they could be something really, really good. And even just the way he's self-evaluating already is telling me he's in the right place coach-wise um, and mindset-wise. And like I said, self-scouting, I think that's the big thing. I think he made a really funny comment about, you know, I can drop my kids off at school and then I can wait to pick up my kids from school. And that's all I can do. Like, I can't do anything with the program. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be a really big thing for him is, does he do some self-evaluation as far as what he's doing day to day? Does he fix some, maybe like some personal things that could better him as a coach? And then is he sitting there saying, okay, here's the five things I had focused on in practice tomorrow. And then wait till the next game and see what did Ross and what did those guys fix? You know, like what did Mike and what did Ross and what did all these guys fix? And so, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, but I, I think the main takeaway for me is he feels really good where he's at. He likes the team that he has. And even, even things that he was criticizing, I don't even think he was criticizing players, but any, anything he said somewhat negatively, it was always very specific and it was always worded in a way that he was still being very, very positive. And sometimes I've gotten the feel from coach Mack that he kind of will take a dig at some points to try to get a player's attention and maybe that's that's warranted in practice. But he said, based, you know, when he talks about Jalen Withers, he said Jalen Withers can be in the NBA in six months and never be a part of this program again. That's where his potential is. If his motor, if he gets his motor going, he's going to be an NBA guy. You know, the, those are the kinds of things that are like, would, would Coach Max said that last year? So I, I think for me, the big takeaway is Max positive. He likes where he's at. Um, he's willing to evaluate both offensive and defensive strategies and schemes. And um, I hope they don't play zone against us because you did mention we haven't worked on zone offense. <laughs> I think that the, you know, I think a reasoning behind not practicing the zone offense is they don't want to get in that situation, right? Like they want to get, they want to be like, you know, when you play North Carolina, you always say you have to pre- prepare differently for North Carolina because they have these big guys that are going to grab every defensive rebound or yeah, every defensive rebound and just throw an outlet pass. And they're going to try to create a, a, a sort of outlet situation. 
I don't think they want to get into situations where there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock and they're trying to set up an offense. Like we had that a lot last year. Like, you know, if you look back at, at a lot of Louisville's games last year, um, it was a lot of like Carly Jones bailing them out by either just taking a, a contested three and making it or uh, getting to the basket and creating. Like there's a lot of, there was a lot of situations where, you know, when you play a season with only 20 games, you're not going to get, get your feet under you very much. And you had a player in Carly Jones and, and a David Johnson to, in a sense, and, and Jalen Withers who could just all kind of take over the game and there was no time to do anything else. So they just kind of allowed them to kind of do their own thing and, and uh, run the clock down a little bit more. I, I think it's going to be, you know, from everything that we've heard, it's going to be polar opposite of that this year, you know, in the, in the scrimmage. And again, it's a red, white scrimmage. I get it. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, just from what you've seen on video, just from what you're, what you're hearing, what they're talking about in the press conferences, there's a lot of, you know, players going right down court. And if they have an open three, they're going to take an open three. Like why, why not? Like last season, how many times did you see Louisville bring the ball up court, have an open shot? And they're like, nah, we'll set up the offense and then set up an offense and never get a shot that open again. In the Ross McMahon system, they're like, dude, if Jared West is bringing the ball up court and they're not going to respect that he can he can make a shot from 25 feet, he's going to knock it down, or he's going to at least try to. And I, I think that's kind of going to be the method to the madness a little bit this season is that they're going to be uh, very dead set on, you know, they're going to take the best shot uh, no matter if that comes four seconds into the shot clock or 34 seconds into the shot clock. So. Yep. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a big part of that. Um, it, it, as far as, you know, going back to the, going back to the McMain's madness, you know, I kind of thought that this was going to be something that died off and maybe it will, maybe we get to the third game of the season and people are going to be like, Oh my gosh, I cannot wait till we get Chris Mack back. But, you know, it, it's sounding more and more like the players are 100% bought in. Um, you know, we, we're going to open this podcast um, with with Jared, a Jared West quote talking about why he thinks Louisville is a top 25 team, um, why he feels like they're being overlooked. Um, but I, I think, you know, a huge takeaway from, from this media day presser is it, it, just, just that, you know, the team and the, and the, the rest of the coaching staff are 100% bought in on why uh, Chris Mack brought in Ross McMains. Um, and I, I think that it shouldn't go if we never say this again for the rest of the season, it should not, uh, it, it, it will not be any less important that it takes a lot for a guy to work his way up in his career as a coach and to get hired on to one of the top 10 programs in the country to be making millions and millions of dollars in, the, in a year, be flying private planes and having the nicest cars and the nicest houses and the best facilities and to look at all of that and see that what he's doing isn't working and bringing in somebody that allows him to be better. Um, that is, you know, for all of the, the crud that, that Chris Mack has gotten, all the flack that, that he's gotten for uh, the, the offense being not what it should be for, you know, a, a power five program or, a, you know, a program that expects to make elite eights and final fours um, for what, what the defense has gotten for, you know, not being able to grow in, into what, uh, we expected in the Chris Mack system for all of that, for a guy to come in and for him to humble himself in the way that he has and bringing in Ross McMains and having a completely kind of polar opposite view uh, to running an offense and running a, a team as a whole. Um, I think that speaks volumes to what he's willing to do to keep his job. And, and it is completely opposite of, of some of the, the fodder that we've heard 
from the message boards and the rumor mill and all that other stuff uh, that, that Mac isn't comfortable here. He wants out or anything like that. He came in and said, you know, the reason he took this job uh, at the University of Louisville is because he grew up idolizing the players at the University of Louisville. He looked up to Denny Crum as, as, as many people did in, in their era. Um, you know, so I, I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, Chris Mack took this job uh, to win national championships. He took this job to compete at the highest level. He realized that he is not doing that so far. And so he went out and got, uh, he assembled a coaching staff and he is uh, trying to assemble a team that is going to allow him to do so. Um, so I think that, you know, hats off to him for doing that. If we never say anything nice about Chris Mack again, uh, he's, he's has kind of put himself, his ego aside a little bit and said, we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that this program is successful and we get it back on the right track. Uh, and I think that if there's anything that we take away from this presser, from everything that we're saying in the preseason, uh, I, I 100% think it's that. I think that he has kind of humbled himself even with the six game suspension and everything that has come with this crazy hectic off season. Uh, I, I think that's, that's a huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let me relate this back to college football. Just briefly, Dan Mullen head coach of Florida right now, last season, he said next year, next year, I'll have my dudes. And last year they showed flashes. They pushed Alabama twice actually. Um, and then they got beat by Oklahoma in a new year, six bowl like a drum and he said you know we had moved on mentally our guys are going pro our guys are ready for next year he thought he was getting an nfl job last year it didn't happen he had one foot out the door now this year what just happened he just got pounded by an lsu team that was one of the worst rushing teams in the country ran he had a had a their running back run for the most rushing yards in program history and they still fired their coach same day that's Dan Mullen at Florida right now. One foot out the door. Thought he was already gone. That's not Chris Mack right now, Lowell. It's just not. He doesn't feel that way. Um, and if he does, he's got it. He's got me confused. He's got us all tricked. But I really don't think. I think if anything, hearing him, seeing him, the way he's, even the simple things, body language, facial expressions. He's a man that's bought in. He's a man who thinks he has a really good basketball team this year. And I think he does personally. Um, and going back to the Jared West quote, I really like the way Jared answered that and didn't. I really don't like a, a player that just runs their mouth for no reason. Um, but uh, Jared did a really good job of being like, yeah, I think we're better than that. We think we're better than that. But like, also that's fuel to the fire. Not a problem for us. Like, cool. Less more people doubt us. And I think this is one of those teams and programs right now that has a lot of doubters and it, some of it is warranted. Let's just be completely honest with ourselves. Some of this NCAA stuff is absolutely warranted. We deserve some of it quite frankly, but all that to say doesn't mean you can't use it as bullets and board material. And so I think anything that Chris Mack and Coach Begees and Coach McMains and all these guys can can use, absolutely fire me up, put it on social media, put it on the message boards, let's do it. Um, but like you said, I think once we we put we put them to the fire and we start to see it here, we'll, we'll find out what we've got. Um, I think the thing that really gets me excited though, coming away from this presser, is he talked about two guys specifically, Noah Locke and Matt Cross, who both had specific roles on their teams. Keep in mind, these guys were both playing high-level minutes and high programs. Locke, for example, playing three years of high-level minutes at Florida as a spot-up shooter. Both guys have been asked to get off the bounce. Both guys have been asked to get to the rim. Both guys have responded well in practice. And he, he has nothing but high praise for both guys. And he said, basically, Noah Locke played off the bounce in high school. 
dude scored at the rim. So that's what I asked him to do. I've watched film of him. That's what I've asked him to do. And he's doing it. Now, is he going to, anytime he gets an open look, take it? Absolutely. But then going back to, to Matt Cross, who we got burned by ourselves last year at Miami and a game that we were favored by like nine and got blown out from the tip. Matt Cross is also working people off the bounce. He's also working on defending every possession. He's also being talked about as a nasty guy. He's being talked about as a guy that you don't want to mess with. He's talking about how tough he is. And he, man, he is hinting at Matt Cross playing a lot of minutes. That's what I'm taking away at least. But all that to say, I mean, he seems to be being very public about the development of these players. Um, he talked about how JJ got sick, was on a trip and lost 12 pounds. And JJ doesn't need to, he, JJ needs to go the other direction when it comes to weight and how that affected him. Just the, I just, I hear such a different tenor in the way that he's talking about these players and the way that he's talking about the pieces and, and how he says, well, we have 14 guys on scholarship and we're going to play a ton of them. We're going to play more than we've ever played. I mean, that's tempo related too, but he's also willing to say like, like you said, my coaching strategy has worked and he's, he used the word mostly. It's mostly been successful. Um, some would say in the big East, more successful than in the ACC. Sure. But he's also willing to say, yeah, when we come up in the half court and they're like in stance, we're going to run a set. Like we're not going to, he's like, he's, he used the phrase, we're not going to play recess basketball. Like we're not going to be all over the place, chasing each other around, but we're not going to be afraid to take that open shot. And, and the Matt cross going back to the Matt cross thing was, was the, uh, it was a Chris Hatfield tweet. Basically Matt cross has been yelled at in practice every time he, t he does not take an open look and just the thought process of we're back to that kind of basketball mobile. And that that's an exciting place to be. I love that. And kind of pouring into the Matt cross thought for a second. Uh, it seems like he's a guy that really stood out in that scrimmage. Uh, he immediately was like, he wasn't, you know, out there just taking threes and the same with Noah Locke. Like, you know, these are guys that came in, we're like, okay, they're three-point specialists. Like, that's exciting. Guys that can shoot the three. And I love Chris Mack's approach that he's been like, okay, you guys are three-point specialists. You guys are guys that I know you can knock down a shot. I have confidence that you're going to make shots when I ask you to, to take and make them. But you're so much more than that. And you were never allowed to be that at your previous places, especially Noah Locke. I mean, that's a guy that's, you know, he hasn't been in high school for four years. So, you know, I, I, I just, I like the aspect of the kind of mind games that goes into that, right? Like the, you know, well, in, in high school, you were just dominating everybody. You were getting to the bucket. Like, you know, you, you were able to be the aggressor. You were, you were, a, you were a do it all type of player. How did you become this guy that just, you know, swings it around the perimeter and takes a shot if they're open. Like, that's not who you came here to be. And so that's not who I'm going to let you be. I think that's kind of the message that's being sent just a little bit. As far as the Matt Cross thing, I, I am all on board with the Matt Cross thing. Everybody who I've heard that has been in practice watching Matt Cross, this is what I love about the offseason, right? You, you know, you have these quote unquote sources. You have people that are like, my buddy was in practice last week. And here's what stood out. Uh, you know, or, you know, I, I know that we're, we're buddies with, with Matt McGavick, um, of, of sports illustrated and he's very much, um, he was very much on the Matt cross as kind of a pain in the blank, uh, type of guy, you know, like, you know, kind of a hothead, uh, kind of, you know, not going to be a fan favorite type of guy. I love that. You know, you, every successful team has one of those guys, right? Like 
every successful team has a Montrez Harrell. We're like, if you're a Duke fan and you're like, oh, we're playing that guy, you know, just like when when at, name you know name any white the guy that's played for Duke, Grayson. It's Grayson. You know, like the guy that just gets under your skin, the guy that is a little that runs a little hot, the guy that's gonna like you know if you if you're gonna try to fight him, like he's not gonna back down from a fight. Like he might lose, but he's not going to back down from the fight. You know what I'm saying? Like the guy that runs a little hot, I love that. Like I, I think that you have to have that every on every team. Like a Spike Albrecht. That's that's a perfect. I think that's a great analogy. Like the, if I could wager a, Spike Albrecht, throw back to him being on staff. If yeah. I could wager a um, who's going to get a tech this season, like at least one or two, Matt Cross will get several techs this season. Oh, I, I think the over under is at three and a half. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's going. I think he may be put on ACC best. probation for a game. Yeah, but. yeah. And everything, the, the funny part is everything we heard in the offseason was like, oh, dude, I don't know. They took a risk on Matt Pro- Matt Cross. He's a problem. And then all of a sudden, he like, you know, he's performing out in front of the public, and he's doing exactly what, what we thought that he'd be doing. He's just being, you know, he's just, he's a guy that plays with his emotions on his sleeve, you know, and, and he's going to be a guy that can be a hothead, and you might have to be pulled out of the game sometimes that that he's going to be seen as a liability rather than people seeing that like this is a guy who's a baller like this is a guy who's going to knock down 35 40 percent from three-point range this is a guy that can take you off the bounce is a guy that's going to be a great uh rebounder and i think most importantly it's a guy that's going to challenge samuel williamson Uh, and i think that we've seen samuel williamson at his best when he's challenged um you know you, you look at last season when he was coming off the bench for a couple of games, that's when he played his best games. Uh, you know, Mac had him thriving in that, in that sort of situation. Now, I don't think that Samuel Williamson's a guy that you want to bring off the bench uh, because I think he, he's the sort of dude that you want to look to him as a leader. You want to look to him as a guy who can, is a do it all guy. He's going to be a guy who's can, who's going to be one of the best rebounders on the team. He's, he can probably score at every level better than anybody on the team. He's going to be a guy who can get hotter than anybody on the team. He's the only guy on the team that can, that can play in mid-range. Like I could go on for days about how how much potential the Samuel Williamson is using, but I feel like he's a guy who needs to be prodded a little bit. And um, we're going to get into, you know, we had a few questions about, um, you know, the four and five position. We'll get into that a little bit, but I think that, you know, more than anything, what stands out to me is that Samuel Williamson and Matt Cross are standing out, which is great because that means that uh, you don't necessarily have to worry about that JJ trainer uh, Dre Davis, um, uh, Jalen Withers type of competition, you know, at each one of those positions. I, I think that you, you could very well have a Samuel Williamson and, and Matt Cross uh, lineup for a lot of the time, or one of them is playing the three and one's playing the four. They can both defend the three and the four. They can both rebound. Like, I think that there's very much potential for you to play a little bit of small ball lineup with, with Cross and Williamson uh, and have two great players out there on the floor at the same time. Yeah. And I think he got into in the presser, Coach Mack did about rotation and do I have guys I don't want to play together? And he did, he, he kind of went around the question and said, like, no, there's not any, I don't think we have a bad, like, two, like, two guards to throw out there together or, or a one and a two and a three that don't play well together. But he basically said, like, with Jared West, with Noah Locke, we have guys who are able to quickly get into the right stuff. And so I think we're going to see a lot less of the, like, everybody stare to the sideline, Chris Mack, like, signaling a set. I think we're going to see a whole lot less of that. Because what he seems to be implying is Jared's going to come up the floor. He's going to check, okay, where's Malik at? Where's Jalen at? All right, here's what we're running immediately. 
And if you if you look in depth at Chris Mack offense, his first action stuff is really good. It always has been. Go back to Jordan Wara. A lot of Jordan Wara's good looks were first action stuff. Down the floor, down screen, back screen, shot. It, I mean, it it was good stuff early. Last year, as you mentioned earlier, <laughs> I go back to that like overhead shot. I think of a Mike Rutherford tweet uh, of when um, Carly comes up. Carly gets the inbound. He pump fakes to the right corner. He pump fakes to the left corner. He checks the guy. Guy's a foot step, foot off. He step back three swish. That was the Louisville offense last year. There was no movement. There was nothing. But again, I think that was not necessarily a Chris Mack thing. We want to blame everything on Chris Mack. But we saw him a lot of times over there, like trying to get somebody to run something. But I think we're going to see some of these older guys who have this experience know what we need to get into. And there's going to be less of the in-game managing and more of the just reacting to what you're seeing. And so I think you're going to see Samuel Williamson get a lot of dunks. I think you're going to see him get a lot of four to six footers because they're going to run some quick action underneath and get him a look. And if Jalen Withers, which we, we definitely got to talk about Jalen Withers. If Jalen Withers is what Chris Mack is hinting at, then dudes are going to be open. If Jalen Withers is clearing out space and he's, as he said, let's keep in mind, Chris Mack said he's going to play primarily outside. He's going to pri- primarily on the edge, right? Which, I mean, come on, uh, around the arc. Sorry, I don't know where I was going there. Right. Like, it, are you serious? Like, do you remember Jalen Withers off of pick and pops last year? Do you remember him with the ball in his hand coming downhill? I mean, that's Montrez Harrell right there, right? Mm-hmm. When Montrez got a mismatch, we went inside immediately, you know, foul or dunk and one situation. But when he was coming off a of screen, setting screens, think of how many of his big elbows in the rim moments came from a high ball screen where two guys went with the ball handler and he stepped underneath. I mean, that's where I see Jalen Withers. And again, you got to respect the pick and pop because as Chris said, Jalen Withers is quietly a very good three-point shooter. Yep. He also said Gabe was a really good shooter. Yeah. Let's not let that. He said the big whiz can shoot the ball. That he's, yeah, we, he's not we as good into some of this, game, like but... these, uh, some of the nuances of what this team could bring. I think we could get into like a four hour show about that. Like we really I could. Mean, I, I think, I think what excites me is one, like I said, self scout. I think Chris Mack's going to have an abundance of time to self scout while he's suspended. But also, what film are you going to watch that's going to be helpful? Like if you are <laughs> Michigan State, if you're Mississippi State, if you're NC State, our first conference game is right out of the bat. Mm-hmm. What are you watching? Yeah, I like, I, you're you're going to have to watch two games of film. And, like, I mean, you got all these assistants and all these personnel guys that are normally scouring through, you know, old Louisville tape that it's not – I think it's going to be irrelevant offensively. And right. so I think that's what's going to be really interesting is when you watch the best NBA teams, when you watch the best college teams, they don't run intricate stuff offensively. They get into the right set, they make the right pass, and they shoot the basketball. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's not complex, right? Donovan Mitchell's game exploded not when he became quicker off the bounce. It exploded when he could knock down a jump shot. Mm-hmm. Once he could knock down a jump shot, the kid could always get to the rim. Yeah. He could always get wherever he wanted. Yeah. It's the very small adjustments that are going to make such a big difference. And if we have the Noah Locks of the world that can step out and hit a three at any point in time, as he hinted at, if Matt Cross can get hot at any moment, we're going to have some of those looks that we had back in the, the Hancock days, back in the Wara days, where you had to respect the team 25 feet and in. And when that happens, man, the floor is open. 
Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned too. Chris Mack comes back to uh, at Michigan State, at NC State, and then at home against DePaul, which DePaul isn't like you know. I, I think that w- we'd win that game with or without without Chris Mack, but they've been c- actually competing in the Big East since Louisville left. So I don't know if that's a just a DePaul Day curse that was lifted or something like that. But um, no, I mean go- going back to what you said uh, about the ability of Jalen Withers. I thought it was interesting. I pulled up a quote here and I was going to have you kind of like rate your excitement level based on a quote, right? So we, we hear all these talking heads locally uh, talk about, you know, what do, what do the coaches really mean when they say this, right? Uh, because I, I think that guys who have been in the business long enough, who it's their job to really talk, um, you know, local college basketball and football, uh, they've heard every, every press conference that every coach has ever held and they've heard all the coach speak that there is to hear. Uh, so I think that they're pretty good at snuffing out uh, what's BS and what's for real. You know, like, does every coach actually say this? Has this coach said this in the past? Whatever. So I, I, I want to gauge your excitement on some of this stuff. But the first one that stood out to me, we were talking about Jalen Withers. Um, and and I, I, this stood out to me maybe above everything else in the press conference from Chris Mack. So he said, it's interesting. We had a weird team meeting the other day. And I said to him, the NBA, just so you know, they look at everything you do in your life. They look at everything you do on the court and there's going to be a red flag. If you have through six games, one dunk, two dunks, why don't you dunk? Why don't you dunk the ball? Because you're more than capable. You're just, you're not just playing for a pull-up. You're playing the game soft. We need that metal eater around the basket all the time. He has those moments when he does where he completely dominates practice, but he's got to figure out. I got to figure out how he can, how he can figure out who to be that guy that's kind of a little bit of coach speak there where he's he's, yeah phrasing it in three different ways and saying the same thing over and over but i like that he's essentially said that you know they were just watching film the other day and mac was like look are you going to be soft for the rest of your career because if not you can you're more than welcome to stay here we have plenty of room in minority hall we're building a new, new dorm across the street it's very cushy uh, some of those senior classes, if you graduate early, you know, you could take some pottery classes. It'll be nice. You'll enjoy your time here. There's very, there's a lot of beautiful women on campus. Or, I don't know, you can start dunking the ball. You can start being an aggressor around the basket like we know you can be. I mean, your name on Twitter is Jalen Durant. It's like, you know, we, we know who you think you are. We know who you can be. Can you be that guy all the time? Can you be the guy that's going to go out there and make millions of dollars and that's going to have a life much better than you have here on campus? Or are you going to be a four-year guy and, you know, you could just, you know, uh, become a back-to-the-basket guy. You know, you're you're pretty athletic. You know, you could maybe have a couple flashy dunks every once in a while. Like, who are you going to be? Because Jalen Withers, very he could very much be a first-team All-ACC guy. He can be an All-American. There's zero doubt in my mind that he can be all of those things. But it was interesting to me. Uh, to me, I mean, that's a that's a nine on the excitement scale. What do you? What was your takeaway from that? Was there a lot of coach speak there, or you know, am I onto something here? What I took away was one: he did a lot of filtering himself in this presser, which he I did. thought was really fun. He did. Like he definitely like he was like, if I'm being honest, at one point um, he was talking about Sam, I think, um, but he he kind of made a, a comment about like, mm, should I say that? But when he goes into the story, I think what's interesting is what he's trying to communicate. And he had just said before this, like a minute or two before that spot, this is a guy who can be off this campus in six months or he can be here for three more years. 
What's up, starting 502 listeners? Just so you know, quick heads up before you hear Presley and I in the past. We broke this episode into two parts. We got really excited about the scrimmage and the presser and the players and the rotations and everything. So two parts. This is part one. Enjoy it. Come back for part two. We can't wait to get into the season. Beat Kentucky State.